fall into heresy is a worse defeat than any the battlefield offers. Hello, everyone, and welcome back again to another episode of Heresy Cast, your home for Warhammer 40k, the game, the hobby, the lore, and more. I am the old grizzled veteran, Ed, alongside me tonight in studio, the young Primarch himself, Gabe. Gabe, say hello to the fans. Hi, how's everybody doing? <laughs> Not and, that you'll answer me. And of course, our greenhorn, one Mr. Sean. Sean, how's it going, my friend? Good, Ed. How are you doing tonight? Good, good. So we are going to be into episode two. Tonight is going to be the history of the galaxy, the short version part two. I had dreams and aspirations of actually getting this done in one night of recording. I realize how foolish those dreams are. My hope is that we can get this done in three, but we'll see. I don't know. I do have a couple of things I want to get out of the way right at the very, very beginning. Um, if you are listening to us in audio form and you do want to see this in the YouTube version, which may or may not have pictures out into the happy shiny artwork that we had commissioned for us i highly recommend going to the dice hate productions youtube channel uh, and looking up the heresy cast episodes there uh, i'd also recommend joining us on the dice hate production discord we are supposed to have our own channel at some point in time i don't know if that's happened yet by the time we're recording but i'm pretty sure it'll happen by the time it gets out to the uh, out to the interwebs for everyone to hear chris our producer just throwing that out there because someone else had homework assignment to do um and of course we also have our own subreddit out there not a lot of activity out there yet but we're still young we're still growing but in case you're interested it is r slash uh heresy cast check those out so that's all the shameless self-promotion we're going to do for the night we're going to be picking up with part two of the history of the galaxy we're starting off with a good one and that is the dark age of technology so when we last left off we were at about m3 which was the early terraforming of Mars and human technology kind of advancing. They had gotten to the point where they were starting to colonize their own solar system. So not only did Mars get colonized, a couple of moons of Jupiter and Saturn had gotten colonized, but that was pretty much the furthest that humans had advanced. We're quite literally going to cover over the next, oh, I don't know, 12,000 years of human history just like that in a, in a blink of an eye um long story short this was the height of human evolution as far as technology was concerned this is we not only did we uh, go out past our solar system we went out throughout the entire galaxy we started spreading out through others this is the highest level of human technology we have ever accomplished we had a, a starting like some of the older races of the galaxy humans had spread out going out in generation ships going from star system to star system they then started their early parts of warp travel and discovering what warp travel was like um also discovering the dangers of warp warp power all at that same time but this is the era when a lot of the gigantic technologies were developed for humans um there are tales and gabe you can probably help fill me in on some of these tales of what some of this advanced technology was like because originally this is this is also this kind of era whenever stcs were kind of uh, developed i should probably mention what an stc is that is a standard template con construct it was blueprints for how to make a col a human colony world it contained all of the technical know-how and the ability to build anything a human colony could need what you need mining and you've got to be able to dig resources out of there here's mining devices and here's how to build them and i can do them for you what's that you've got large logging you need to do here's how to build a small titan that will go through and swath down parts of the forest for you all of these things were it genuinely human life was prob this is probably the highest level of comfort and technological bliss that human society could have ever reached in this area of technology but the imperium and you'll take note over the next i don't know couple of thousand years of history that we're going to cover probably the next couple of millennia actually um this is going to be very centered towards um human life and human evolution um mostly because the 
part one, if you listen to episode one on the part one, humans weren't really around during that time frame. So there wasn't really a lot of history to keep track of during that time frame. Um, now, now that humans are around, the the old god, the the old ones are gone. The Necrons are sleeping in their tomb worlds, and the only other major race race floating around out there are the Eldar. Um, humans didn't have anything to stop them from their from their expansion. So they expanded throughout the galaxy. They were filming, forming new colonies throughout the throughout this time with all of this cool, amazing, fantastic tech. That for the most part at this juncture, in if you were talking present times in 40k, is lost to the annals of history. <laughs> it's all gone. Um, so much so that what we'll get into, um, they didn't even want anything to do with the old tech because of the results of what happened. So for the next 12,000 years, humans are expanding out. It's also important to note, um, this is the time period, again, with the old ones gone, the Catan have been shattered. The Necrons are all asleep. Nothing prevented the Eldar from doing what the Eldar wanted to do. And the Eldar Empire begins to reach its heights of technological and societal. Uh, we'll get back to them because they have a pretty interesting event. Um, what happens to them whenever they reach the heights of technology and they have nothing else that they can find interesting to do. So they decide to find... What's the best way to describe this game? Debauchery. Debauchery. Yeah, exactly. Well, what other ways can I in invest in new things to feel? So we'll, we'll get back to them in a moment. So in and around M18 is when humans finally perfect uh, warp travel. Now, as we talked about before in episode one, warp travel made it possible to move between the stars. There's no, I hate saying it like this. There's no super sci-fi way that the 40 K universe travels faster than the speed of light. Clearly there is that uh, law of physics that still exists, even in the world of 40 K and they don't travel faster than the speed of light. They transverse into the warp and then they come back out and they cover that distance faster than you possibly could at the speed of light. But as we had mentioned before, not only is the warp this weird mind bending, time bending, physics bending uh, dimension just on top of our material plane, it's also not uninhabited and there are native uh what's the word I'm looking for? Presences uh, that exist inside the warp that make warp travel a little dangerous. So in and around M18, humans began to understand what the concept of Geller fields were. And in short, the easiest way that I can explain a Geller field is it is a projection of real space and real physics in and around the vessel that is traveling inside the warp. So think of it like a bubble that is completely surrounding the vessel that is traversing the warp. So you open a portal into the warp, you take a piece or create a piece of real space that your trip ship travels in as it's traversing the seas of the warp. And then you come out the other side, keeping you protected from all of the exterior forces of the warp. For all intents and purposes, physics, time, space, all of that travels with you in an it stays uninterrupted. So it's it it's basically like regular space travel when the Geller fields work. If the Geller fields fail and that warp bubble collapses, you are then subject to all of the physics altering mind and time bending aspects of the warp. So Geller technology, Geller field technology was extraordinarily important because it made travel in the warp much, much more reliable. This is also in and around the time that we have to start talking about some of the ab humans or subspecies of humans, because we're getting further and further down into the timeline. Humans are evolving a little bit differently. One of the important evolutions of humans in that time frame were the navigators. These were the people that had a connection with the warp in a way that they are able to traverse the warp. Now, without having any particular landmarks inside the warp, you need a guide. You need your North Star to be able to know which way is north, which way is south, how you're traveling. That's what the navigators do. So they have a connection to the warp to be able to determine their place in the warp, their distance and direction so that they can help guide ships. This also helped human technology expand further into the reaches of the galaxy because not only do they traverse the warp safely using the technology of Geller fields, but they also knew where they were going. 
Um, this is also one of the, since we're talking about uh, ab humans, this is probably one of the other times we should probably talk about psychers. Um, as we we talked about the early early history of the emperor, we're not necessarily sure that that's technically canon in the 40k universe of these people that had connections to the warp and could manifest those into psychic powers. Um, this is in and around the time that this starts showing itself again in human evolution. Um, these individuals that had the ability to tap into the power of the warp and manifest these psychic powers. Now, we're going to kind of put a pin in that um, because humans are, if nothing else, a bigoted society and psychers at those that time weren't necessarily considered. I mean, come on, we've got things like, hey, there's a witch, burn them. Well, that kind of thing happened, too, with the psychers that were evolving in and around those times. So they existed, but they weren't necessarily accepted in human society at that time. This is also in and around the time that we first started having our encounters with other alien species. And, of course, if we find something new, we want to fight it. Um, so this involved early but not major conflicts with the Eldar and the Orcs, the, the two major races that are still floating around after the war in heaven is completed. Um, and the last thing I do want to take note of in M18, um, we had talked about how the Eldar travel the galaxy. They don't use warp technology. They don't go into the warp. They stay the hell away from the warp. They evolve, they basically annexed after the old ones were gone, their webway technology, which was the series of gates that basically created a pocket dimension that was outside of the warp and outside of real space and allowed them to traverse the galaxy completely and 100% safe. Um, some people kind of like hanging out um, <laughs> inside the webway. It's kind of cool. I have a quick question. So Absolutely. When we're talking... You're supposed to stop well, me when you have questions. So by all means. When, when we're talking to Eldar, does this include the dark Eldar or the... I guess what you would call good Eldar. Yeah, and or or the uh, the the ones that go native, or the ones that are the craft worlds. Uh, th this is all Eldar. So right now, okay. at this point in time in history, there are no dark Eldar. There are no quote unquote good Eldar. There are no craft worlds. There are no Exodites. The ones that go native and decide to fight on dinosaurs. We'll get to those, Sean. Um, yeah. They are a unified race at this time. Okay, I was just making sure because I didn't know if I missed something. No, 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 you haven't missed anything. Yeah, it's a good okay. question. And by all means, like I said, stop me whenever you hear these kinds of things because a lot of this is for you as well as the audience. Um, we'll get to when that happens. And it's important because what we're talking about right now is the city of Gamora inside the webway, which, spoiler alert, a little bit later in the timeline, that's going to be the city where the Dark Eldar inhabit because that's how they decide to hide from Slanesh is to just hide in a dimension where Slanesh doesn't exist. Seems like an easy compromise, but we'll get to that. We'll get to all of that. Um, so in short, inside the webway, the Eldar decide to build a city called Kamora at the center of the webway. So all routes inside the webway eventually lead to Kamora. And I'm not sure, and Gabe, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, the Black Library is located there as well, correct? I know that there... So there is... A, think of the Tower of Babel. Think of the, the, the Library of Alexandria. The, the Eldar have what they call... And this is one of the reasons it's kind of cute that um, Games Workshop proper named their publishing wing for their books, the Black Library, because inside the lore, there is a Black Library, which is the knowledge of all existence of the Eldar race. And I don't know if that lives in a craft world or if it lives in Kamor. I feel like it's in Kamor because I feel like um I don't know if it's Erebus if one of the one space marine character I think is trying to get to the Black Library. I think it's Erebus. So, I the Black Library itself isn't a building in Kamor. It's it's a craft world. Oh it is a craft world. Okay. So it is so we'll get at yeah. this point it doesn't exist. So the okay. Just checking. Yeah, it, I, did, it, it, I didn't want to misspeak and I didn't want to get destroyed in the comics for it. So ignore all the I, I think it, I'm I'm pretty sure. Okay. So that gets that's that's M18. We're gonna jump a little bit further in human history, about another four thousand years. Um, and we're gonna get to some of the fun stuff um with what happens with the downfall of human society at that point. So in M22 
psychers are going to be officially recognized in human society. They took them only 4,000 years, but to realize, hey, these guys that have this ability to use these powers can be useful. So instead of ostracizing them and burning them at the stake, uh, we're going to recognize them into human society. I'd like to go back on what I just said. Oh. It is, it is a craft world, but it is a craft world that is hidden in a bunch of labyrinth, labyrinthian pathways in the webway. Ha! So it is in the webway. It's so it, not in Kamor. Okay, so it's not in Kamor, but it is in the webway. It's a craft world in, inside in the, the web. webway okay, somewhere. Okay, I'm a little... You were half right. I'm a little rusty on my Eldar lore, so I'll, I'll, take, the, I'll take the criticism. So I'm, I'll take half right. I'll work with that. Okay. So like every great sci-fi story you've ever heard, when human beings get to the point of the height of the technology, what must they ultimately do? They must birth new life into the galaxy in the form of artificial intelligence or AI. Um, so this happens in and around M22. Um, they already had some rudimentary AI at this juncture in history prior to this. Uh, you had the ones that were sort of semi-responsible for piloting ships. You had like even simple things like the SDCs in some way could have been construed as a rudimentary AI. But now we get into the full-blown AI where AIs are in charge of not just ships, but they're charging fleets. They're in charge of planets. Like human society begins to release control of their lives in favor of these artificial intelligences because they can do it better than we can. And it's one less thing for me to think about kind of thing. So ultimately in the end, if sci-fi movies, if the Terminator movies and every other movie, and if Elon Musk and Ridley Scott didn't tell us anything, it was, AI is bad and it's going to ultimately turn on its creator and destroy them. And that is exactly what happens. So in M23, uh, the war with the men of iron, these are the AIs that they began to put into to help fight their wars because I guess they got bored of doing that as well. Um, completely turn on all human society and almost drive us completely into extinction. There is not a lot of information that survived this era of time, which is why everything before M23 is a little sporadic as far as the details on what happened. What we do know for certain is there was a gigantic war between the men of iron created by humans that are AI and human society had an almost thousand year civil war. And ultimately in the end, humans came out triumphant. How it happened why it happened, we, we don't have a ton of those details. What we do know is in the immediate aftermath of this war, and after all of the AI, or at least most, because there, there have been instances of finding some of this dark age of technology AI in other books before, um, once this has been, the war is over, humans completely ban, 100% ban the use of AI technology. Now, this causes a gigantic gap in their technology. Um, a vast majority of their, their high levels of technology are completely wiped out and gone. Um, this also leaves those millions of human societies that are spread throughout the galaxy after this war are completely scattered to the wind. Some of them, the, most of them lose complete contact with Terra, with Earth. Uh, they're on their own. They have no idea what's going on. And these societies begin to evolve on their own. So AI gets completely banned. So you have this gap in your technology. Well, there's a thinking mind behind how this ship flies. There's a thinking mind behind how this dishwasher washes dishes. There's a thinking mind behind how this message gets sent from here to here. Well, how are we going to fill that gap of these thinking minds that are supposed to be filling these roles and currently aren't? Oh, I know. What we'll do is we'll cut out all of the computer chips and the bits. We're going to yank all that out and we're going to put a human brain in there, connect it to all the wires and let the human brains do those. And I know that that sounds kind of blunt and kind of rudimentary, but legitimately that's what they do. So they take convicted convicts, they take prisoners, they take people that they find undesirable and they basically lobotomize them so that their brains can only do the most rudimentary functions and they put them into these 
servitor constructs and let them do the thinking. So quite honestly, they'll be, I mean, and I don't know if you've ever seen any of the 40K artwork. If you ever see a skull floating around with like an eye laser or something, that's a servitor. That used to be a living, breathing human being that was lobotomized had some tech attached onto them so that only their brains do so many functions. And servitor skulls, for example, their whole job is just to pass messages back and forth. They're basically email. For, they do other things. I know there's going to be people, Chris is probably screaming at me right now as he's editing this. I know that servitor skulls do more than just pass messages back and forth. They do have other functions. But for all intents and purposes, they, servitors serve basic functions only the very bare bones things are what they can do so for example there are servitors if there are high radiation areas and you need someone to mine something you send servitors in to do that this would have been something you would have sent a robot in for before and now you don't you just send what's left of the brain of this prison these prisoners let them go in and when they die they die servitor technology starts to get really really creepy <laughs> um especially whenever we start getting in and around my favorite um mm um faction in the 40k universe of the sisters of battle cherubs cherubs um they're babies that, directly they, they, like they, like they're, they're it's they're not, not made to look like small children they, they are they are small children that have been lobotomized and say hey carry ammo for our sisters of battle Your entire per <laughs> it's like that butter robot from rick and morty yes rick yes that is a great great example what is my purpose you pass butter you pass butter oh my god <laughs> yeah that's that's what they are literally designed for one function and that is it a hundred percent that is probably the most apt uh that's exactly what they are they are designed for one function and one function alone they are given enough human brain power to be able to perform that function and little more, and that's it. So it really becomes a hallmark of human technology moving forward is that not only is AI banned, they fear it, kind of, until we get into Mars and the machine gods and all that stuff. We're, we'll, get to, we'll get to some of that. I'd, I'd also like to just throw in here, because it's technically new lore with the, the League of Votan. The League of Votan's probably a good... In and around this point, the, with all of the colonies that got cut off whenever all the whole war happened, the League of Votan, basically, whereas we, or the rest of humanity, completely ostracized and banned all this AI... They came to worship it and embrace it and embrace it. And so in current lore, I, at least I think there's again, this the codex. like there has It's been out for about a week and a half. I just got done listening to a couple of podcasts that filled me in on the lore. I didn't have the, the, the leagues of OTAN in mind whenever I wrote these notes a few weeks ago. Um, so in short. We're going to cover, at some point in time, we're going to cover the Imperial Guard proper, and we're going to talk about abhumans. We're going to talk about humans that are still technically human in DNA, but through environmental conditions or just how they evolved over thousands of years, they look and feel different. So, for example, there are hobbits or halflings in 40K. They are called ratlings. There are ogres in 40K. They are called ogren. These are all subhumans that used to be human beings that evolved on a different world to look very different. The Leagues of Otan, affectionately the squats, are dwarves. are dwarves. They are a dwarven society. And these dwarves were pushed towards the core, center core of the galaxy, uh, living on very high gravity worlds. So they are shorter and squatter than your average human. So from a DNA perspective, they are basically humans that have evolved over thousands of years in different environments to, to get to where they are. But you're right in the fact that when all of this society broke down during, during this time frame, where most of the humans abandoned and destroyed all AI, the leagues of OTAN embraced it, which to I the point that they're, 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 I don't even know if they're gods because they basically affectionately will call them gods. But they, I think they it's a gigantic think, computer that stores all of their their data. I, it's, it's an AI. It's an, like, it's an AI. And it's like I think, super AI and super heresy. I think the as far line as the I think the line that I remember hearing is that they have a shaky alliance with the Imperium at best right. because they came back to this society and were like, "Oh, y'all don't like AI anymore," and 
So they're they're not gonna tell them about it. Well, they're dwarves. They're not. They don't necessarily trust anyone anyway. So they're not gonna tell anyone about the like the Votan themselves are. Con- well, we could do a whole. Like, well, I'm, we're gonna put a pin in this tangent. We're gonna we're gonna put a pin in this one because again, the leagues of Votan literally just came out, so they're very new, and I lo- I would love to talk about that. Just that they they were created around this time period. Is yeah. all I wanted. To point exactly. Out. That's a very good point. So this is where a lot of these subhuman cat classes come from. Humans that evolve on different worlds, the the leagues of Votan, the squats, uh, evolve towards the galactic core, and we don't see them for thousands and thousands and thousands of years because of this. All right, so now the when of the uh, where am I? At? Okay, so now we're into M twenty five, which is the age of strife, and this kind of covers over all of this time frame of human society being broken up. Some areas were okay. Um, they were self-sufficient planets, so when everything broke up, they weren't, you know, they didn't have as much of an effect losing contact with the rest of human society. Other planets were like ag worlds that are just, all we do is grow food for these other planets, and now since we can't have the technology to send this food anywhere, I guess we'll have to eat it ourselves. And the 22 planets around the system that were depending on us for food, I guess they just don't get food. Um, This included... And was not limited to Earth as well. Earth had gotten to the point that it had used up almost all of its natural resources. Um, And I hate drawing this analogy. Being born in the United States that I am, it's almost analogous to modern day U.S., where way back in the day, we used to make a whole bunch of things. We used to make all the things. We used to make our cars. We used to make our TVs. We used to make our VCRs. And then we started outsourcing that to other areas where now all we do is import things. And we don't really make all of these things that we need to make life, life happen. Um, Earth was exactly the same way. They had nothing coming in because of all the things that were happening. So this caused Earth to fall into a complete tribal society all hell breaks loose you have little pockets of these warlords that i own this little piece of, think mad max think mad max that's exactly what earth devolves into um during that time frame also because human society has gotten weak and has gotten seems to be a pretty easy target the orcs begin to raid human worlds and since we can't send defenses they start doing a lot of damage and taking over worlds during that time frame so just keeping in mind that the orcs are still out there they again have devolved from the intelligent orcs that they were in the orcs so gay wanted to go talk the talk the dogs down but um the orcs have now devolved into what we now know as modern day orcs and they're just trying to find the next person to, to fight. And one other important event that also was inside the, the Age of Strife, which I can't forget, um, warp storms start to break out all over the galaxy, which also contribute um, to traversing the, the galaxy being difficult. Now, warp storms are an area where normal space and the warp intersect and they become impossible to traverse. So you can't even travel through them with a ship that can travel in the warp. They are basically these giant, imagine storms on the sea that you can't cut through. So these warp storms that have evolved in and around this time frame cut off all the communication. So you have the remnants of what was left over from the civil war with the AI. These warp storms that have popped up and cut off all communication to all of these things. Orcs are attacking human society over here. And now that we're kind of getting into it, this is in and around the time that the warp god Slanesh starts to take form. Um, we had talked in the past, uh, in the previous episode, about three existing, at the time, three existing chaos gods. And just a refresher for those who may may have forgotten, um, you have the warp god Korn, who is blood and honor and combat. He's never going to lie to you, but he is going to stab you if you've got a weapon kind of thing. Um Gabe's personal favorite. favorite. You got your boy Nurgle, who is both sides of the coin. You got plague, infection, disease, all that nice, gross stuff, but also uh, a a sense of finality and a sense of purpose and like knowing that at the end you're going to die. And then my least favorite, you got Zinch, which is he's all change and nothing's ever certain. But at the same time, that means that nothing you have is ever permanent and he's he's all yeah like tricks and jokes and sneaky stuff 
so we have to kind of get into what the Eldar are up to at this point in time because they have reached the the they have reached the height of their technology. They've quite literally run out of things to do. They have run out of books to read, plays to see. They've beaten Elden Ring 22 times. They don't want to play it again. They've gotten all the platinum trophies and they start getting bored and they decide, well, what other pleasures are there out in this world that we haven't tried? Drugs? Drugs? Drugs sounds cool. Let's do some drugs. Wait, I like it whenever I stick a knife in something and it stops breathing. Murder? Murder sounds good. Let's do that. Um, and then they just continue on and it... I, I I hate taking this from another show, but this is probably the most apropos. And I know that Eldar players and Eldar uh, enthusiasts are going to hate this. They basically murder fucked a god into existence because that's all they could possibly do. They had sex with or tortured or killed or drug overdosed or turned people into living couches. Like everything they could possibly, every level of debauchery. Think Hellraiser. Like they, they they reach that level of Cenobite level of I'm going to peel my own skin because at least I can feel that kind of thing. Like they reach that level of debauchery and decadence. And as we had talked about in the past, the, the more emotions that get poured into the warp, the more they begin to manifest. And this slowly starts um, the process of Slanesh starting to take form inside the warp. There is a direct correlation to Slanesh's churnings in the warp and the warp storms that appear in the galaxy at that time. So, for example, again, nobody was around at that time who was writing records to know, but some people theorize that there are certain stamped static warp storms that exist in the galaxy at all times that they believe are the birthplaces of certain gods. Like I, and I'd have to dig it up, but I genuinely don't remember off the top of my head. It's not, not the eye of terror. We know where that is, that there's a couple of other major warp storms. Like, Oh, this is probably where corn was born is right here in this area of the galaxy and right here in this area of the warp. So kind of keep that thought in the back of your head. So, 27 minutes. We got we got some time. We're good. So now we can start with M28 and the in, the emperor finally deciding to reveal himself um, to human society. So the emperor, as we had talked about before, being born many, 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 many thousands of years ago, was waiting for the proper moment so that he could bring human society into the future and allow them to survive. He had to wait for certain events to happen and most likely guided a lot of these events into happening to get them to where they needed to be. So he is fully well aware of a major event coming, these warp storms, and that this is going to be the time that he can use to unify all of human society on Terra and then slowly expand that out into the rest of the galaxy to help unify all of humanity. And this is going to be the beginning of what is known as the Unification Wars. Now, how is the Emperor going to do this? Well, when you have, I don't know, a couple of millennia on your hands, you can find ways to create things that are going to help you do that. And he did this in twofold. He did this by creating which would probably be technically considered abhumans, but he created super soldiers to help him fight this. And he goes from the Alpha and the Omega all at the same time. So we're going to start with the Alpha first. These are the precursors to what will eventually be known as Adeptus Astartes or Space Marines, the classic Space Marines that you know. But these are kind of like the, I don't even want to say like... <laughs> The the lot these are probably the alpha tests the early alpha the rough draft the rough draft the the GTA six drafts <laughs> of like okay we've got we're just testing the physics like we're not going to put the assets in yet kind of kind kind of levels of space marines um these are the thunder warriors the thunder warriors are just a hang just a, like a probably a step up from human evolution in the fact that they are a little bit taller the anywhere between six and eight inches taller than an average human they are significantly stronger and they are blindingly violent um but this is the type of uh, soldier that the emperor needs to be able to control all of these individual war bands that are all over planet earth to be able to bring them under a single rule mindless like i mean not mindless i mean they, they they're mindless is, is discounting the poor thunder warriors i don't want to give them a bad rap here they were intense warriors that were built for a single purpose which was to unify the entire planet 
on the other side of the coin, while he is, and again, simultaneously working on the Thunder Warrior project to get the Thunder Warriors up and running, he's also working on his greatest creation. So we're going to get to some of the other things, but he decided to take his own DNA and his own um, physiques and his own attributes and form them into perfect soldiers. Absolutely perfect soldiers. And these are the custodians. Now, it takes a whole lot more work to make a single custodian than it does to take to make a Thunder Warrior. He can probably make a thousand Thunder Warriors or 10,000 Thunder Warriors than the amount of time it takes to make one custodian. So the custodians are his personal bodyguard during this time frame. Occasionally they get sent out on stuff, but they are there specifically to not only protect him, but to enforce what he needs to have done. Now, it's important to note that those custodians are still around. <laughs> they are basically immortal. Um, effectively. They're effectively immortal. Like, legitimately, there are stories of, oh, well, this custodian stood guard at the Imperial Palace for the last 300 years, and he hasn't even taken a pee break yet, <laughs> kind of thing. Um, they are, um, it's important, the, the important part for the, the custodians is the fact that they are from the Emperor's DNA, specifically. And this will get a little bit further down the line when we talk about the creations of Space Marines and Primarchs. Um, but just keep that in the back of your mind. So the reason why the custodians are in charge of guarding the Emperor is because he made them to do that. That is their job. In the meantime, he has these foot soldiers going out and all of the, the, the Thunder Warriors going out and doing what Thunder Warriors were doing. One of the other things that the Emperor... So looking into the future, the Emperor knows that the Chaos Gods exist. He knows that worship of these gods is only going to make them stronger. So what is one of the things that he is preaching as he is going through and taking over, you know, starting small, but working his way across the planet and of taking over all of Terra is a completely secular society. He's a complete atheist, does not believe in gods, wants to move forward with science and truth and shed the superstitions. He because ultimately on the so on the slide, he knows that <laughs> worship of these gods is only going to make them stronger. So one of the things that humanity can do to rid themselves of the threat of these chaos gods is to not worship them. Because if they're not worshipped, they're not strong. If they're not strong, they can be defeated. So, oh, go ahead. Just, jump in. Just something that I, on, on a technicality, technically speaking, custodies predate Thunder Warriors. Correct, the, correct. Technically speaking, they were made during the dark age of technology. I but I just it, it was just a no 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 and you're good chronologically, good technically they existed out, first. But it's this is the time that they, he actually unleashes them. Yeah, well they they were around, it's just that they weren't actually used. But like they they existed, they were made in the dark age of technology, and then Thunder Wars were made afterwards. Correct. This these are true. Alright, so this lasts for about a thousand years. Um, it takes the, it takes, um, the emperor actually 2000 years to unify the entire planet. Um, but we'll, we'll get to, to those. So once he has enough control, uh, it's important to know he enough, once he gets to the point where he gets to where the Imperial palace now stands today, which in case anyone was interested is in the, the modern day Himalaya mountains is where the Imperial palace stands today. Um, once he gets to that point, um, he begins the project of creating the Primarchs. Now, he knew in order to unify not only just human society on Earth, but throughout the galaxy, he was going to need help. Not only was he going to have to enforce his word, in most cases by force, some people were going to welcome the Emperor and his legions coming through and be like, yay, someone's here to help us. But a lot of them had evolved for thousands of years without them and may have given resistance. He needed legions and legions of super warriors to be able to do this. And he needed generals to lead each of these super legions. So he independently started creating 20 Primarchs, also of his DNA but not as much as the custodians and each 
one kind of had a variant. It's kind of like the the Baskin Robbins of genetic experiments kind of thing. Like, hey, this one here's kind of got a thing for blood. We'll make that one the vampire one. And this one here's kind of got a thing with a little bit of canine DNA. He's going to be the wolfy one. And oh, this one over here is really, really good at building walls. And so he develops 20 primarchs in the, with the intent that each of these primarchs is going to lead their individual legions of troops in the upcoming unification wars of human society. So you, you got me so far on that one, uh, uh, Sean, cause it's going to start getting a little, we're going to start getting a little deep into this. Nope. I'm good. All right. Keep going. Just making sure. Um, nope. So we're going to put a pin in the 20 Primark project. I should probably make, it's probably now is a good time to talk about it before I get too much further. Um, because the emperor never intended to keep the, the Thunder Warriors around. He kind of knew that they were means to an end. So secretly, while the Thunder Warriors are currently out on the planet Terra, defeating all of these warbands, he's already building their replacements, which are what we know today as the modern day Space Marine or the Adeptus Astartes. And what he did, he takes, oh, Primark number one, I'm going to take some of your DNA, even though you're still not fully formed because you're a Primark, I'm going to use some of your DNA and I'm going to make super soldiers out of your DNA. So each, and you'll find this out later, it's, it's especially effective on the tabletop, but it's definitely in the lore, each individual uh, legion of space marines shares DNA with their Primark and their traits. So for example... And I'll just bring Space Wolves, Astartes are an awful lot like Le Lehman Russ. They've all, they've got the fangs. They've got the you've got the Jakara Khan the, the, from the White Scars. All of his guys really, really laugh and enjoy going really, really fast because they're basically modern day um, Mongolians. Just instead of on horseback, they're on motorcycles. So it's important to note that it's just not a palette swap. When you see the green Marines and the blue Marines and the red Marines and the yellow Marines, um, legitimately, each one of those Astartes is derived from the Primarch of that um, Legion, which is derived from the Emperor. So there's direct lineage that comes through there, but they're each of the 20 each have their own individual traits that then get passed down to their, to their respective Adeptus Astartes. So we're going to pause on Earth for a little bit, and we're going to take a break real quick and talk about... We already talked a little bit about the uh, the the decadence that had gone on. So after about a thousand years of murder-fucking all they could possibly do, um, there were members of Eldar society that were looking around at their brethren going, what the hell is going on? You had two very distinct groups that splinter away from Eldar society. Um, you have one group that's like, you know, we just want to go back to the way things were before. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to build these gigantic planet-sized spaceships. We're going to take all of our friends with us. We're going to get into these ships and we're just going to go out into the gap. We'll let you guys do your thing. You do. You keep making that guy into a table lamp and that, that woman over there that looks like a couch. That's great. I'm glad that's working for you. It's not working for me. It's not my thing. We're just going to go out into the galaxy and do our own thing. The, these are known as the craft worlds. So there are many craft, uh, many groups of Eldar that elected to do this and slowly started coming away from the, the Eldar homeworlds in these gigantic ships. The other groups were not only do I like the way that things were before, I like the things way before, before we even had technology. Like they're, they are the let's go camping boys, uh, kind of, kind of folks. Like I'm, I'm much more comfortable in the woods with a stick in my hand and stabbing my lunch for dinner kind of ones. These are the Exodites. So those, those particular groups of Eldar decided to go to these virgin untouched worlds by either human or Eldar hands, like where nothing had evolved yet and decided to go to these maiden worlds and just evolve there. They just broke away completely from Eldar society to live on these worlds untouched and they want to, and they just want to remain untouched. They just, they, they want to Ted Kaczynski themselves off into the, I just want to be uh, in a little cabin in the woods, leave me alone. That's what they decided. So this is where you start seeing those divisions, Sean, that you were asking about before, about the quote unquote good Eldar and the quote unquote bad Eldar. Um, these two groups would, if I were to classify any of the Eldar in a good, oh, good, bad 
um, very binary set. I would classify these as the good Eldar. These are the ones that saw what their brothers were doing was bad and decided to cut bait and run. Okay. If you enjoy listening to the sound of my voice and my voice, feel free to join us over at the Lack of Focus podcast, where we talk about everything gaming except Warhammer 40k. Or maybe you can have a little bit of 40k as a treat. We get into M30 now. I got about 15 minutes left. I think I can cover this one. So we get into the into M30. And this is when the last church is destroyed. So the emperor's rule over planet Terra is almost complete. There is one church remaining standing on the entire planet. That is the only thing that stands in his way from having full control of the planet. That is going to be a future episode just discussing what happens at the last church. But ultimately, in the end, what you need to know is that the emperor destroys the last church, basically eradicating religion from all of Terra, and decides that he doesn't need the Thunder Warriors anymore, and took the replacement Astartes that he built and said, hey, do you see those guys? Yeah, we don't need them anymore. Could you just completely erase them off the face of the planet? Which is exactly what the Astartes did. Um, There are stories and tales of some Thunder Warriors who survived this purging, but there weren't Astartes. They didn't have the lifespan that an Astartes would. They didn't have a lifespan even remotely close. They were they lived a little bit longer than your average human would have. So they're all dead now, at least to the best of my knowledge. Um, but for the most part, this completely drove the Thunder Warriors into extinction. They had served their purpose. The Emperor now had his Astartes. All is right with the world, right? Well, not so much. So... We're going to go back to that Primarch project that he was working on, and the Primarchs are almost done. I mean, he's got the buns in the oven, he's got the frosting out, he's getting ready to, to top off all the cakes, and something happens to all 20 of the Primarchs. Now, I do realize for those um, lore files, I recognize that this has been explained. Um, for years and years and years and years, it has always been intimated that... The gods of chaos recognized what the emperor was doing and did not sit idly by and just allow this to happen. They realized that the Primarchs were a threat to them. They realized that the emperor was a threat to them and he, they decided to um, hijack his project and sabotage it as much as they can. And they scattered all 20 of the Primarchs throughout the galaxy so that they would not... Uh, grow up and be raised with the Emperor's influence in the hopes that this would hinder the Emperor's plans. I know that there is a current book out there, more recent years, that they have retconned this story. So much so that they actually gave a name to one of the biologists who helped the Emperor. See, this is all right. So, this is one of the things that genuinely drives me nuts about what they're currently doing in the, the retelling of 40K history, I suppose, is probably the easiest way to do it. Um, and I'll get to more of that after a, a large event coming up. Um, but like, so the idea is that in my mind, the way that is the story has always been told is this, the emperor did this all alone, which is the reason why it took thousands and thousands of years. It took him thousands of years to develop one custodian and get that project right before he could replicate it. It took him thousands of years to develop the Thunder Horrors on his own. He didn't have any help. It was just him. It was just him and his intellect and what he knew and his connection to the warp and all the psychic powers that he had to be able to do all of this. Well, now we find out that that's not entirely true. It's not the entire story. Um, Specifically, there is a biologist that helped him. Her last name was Astartes, which is where the Astartes get their name from. Not only that, they have now officially in canon stated that she was the one that banished the 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 Primarchs out into the galaxy and spread them out throughout the galaxy. I get that that's canon, and I did want to mention it. It feels wrong to me because, I mean, I mean, I guess you could make the argument that maybe she was under the influence of the Chaos Gods, which is what convinced her to scatter them. So in a way, the story that we've known in the past is still kind of true in the fact that 
we never really did find out exactly how the Chaos Gods were able to scatter the, the, the Primarchs throughout the galaxy. So the official story is she helped the Emperor create the, create the Astartes, re- recognized what she was doing, he was doing, didn't agree with it, and decided to eject the Primarchs out into the galaxy so that they'd be born and raised without his influence which is a gigantic wrinkle in the plan that the emperor had as he's just triumphantly conquering all of earth with his full plan of going, all right, I've timed this perfect because now I'm going to have these legions of all, I'm going to have these legions of Astartes out there. I'm going to have my 20 generals and we're just going to go out into the galaxy and reclaim all of society because right at this exact moment in M30 is when the Eldar have... I've only got nine minutes to cover this. Oh, God. All right. I'm going to try to give the short, short version. Basically, the Eldar have murder fucked themselves into creating a chaos god, the god of Slanesh, the pleasure, drugs, alcohol, everything that makes you feel good, whether it's good or evil. Stabbing a kitten makes you happy. Cool. Slanesh likes that. That's your thing. Drugs and playing D&D make you happy. Cool. Slanesh is down with that, too. She's... They... With all the things that the Eldar Society did, they legitimately create a chaos god inside the warp. The creation of this god causes a gigantic explosion in real space, in warp space. The instant that Slanesh is born into society, she begins to suck and drain all of the souls of the Eldar Society into her in those opening moments of her life, making the Eldar almost extinct in an instant when we're talking over the course of the entire galaxy thousands millions billions of eldar all die instantaneously as this god comes into place oddly enough the ones that were spared this fate almost entirely were either a in the webway at the time murder fucking their way through the day or some of the exodites on these maiden worlds that were hidden away or some of the craft ward elders that were far enough away from the explosion that they weren't necessarily affected. The explosion that was caused that the of the explosion that Slanesh's birth caused is still able to be seen to this day in the galaxy. It is an area known as the Eye of Terror. It is quite literally a rip in the fabric of time and space that joined both real space and the warp in a single region of space. It is quite easily one of the most terrifying places in all of the galaxy. So this takes this mighty Eldar empire that had been reigning the galaxy for millennia and cripples it almost overnight to the point where like the Eldar now are known as the dying race because they simply don't have the numbers to repopulate their species fast enough that it seems likely that they are not going to survive the long run. So congratulations, Eldar. You created a god and killed every, like 99% of your entire society in this gigantic explosion. The genius of the emperor's plan, though, is he knew this was going to happen because the instant that that explosion happens and the Eye of Terror is created and Slanesh is born, all of the warp storms throughout the galaxy go away. So he tried to time it. It's almost as if he knew that the instant that Slanesh was going to be born, the warp storms would go away. I will have my 20 Primarchs all lined up with legions of Alpha, uh, uh, I keep saying Adeptus Astartes to follow them, and we're going to regain the galaxy as humans. Eldar society is going to follow, go for humans, win by default because there's no one there to fight us. The end, right? Well, the scattering of those Primarchs really does throw a crimp in the plan. So I only have about five minutes left, and there is absolutely no way I'm going to be able to cover the Great Crusades or the Space Marine Legions being released on the galaxy in M30. So that is where I'm going to pause, because quite honestly, the next 10,000 years of history are going to be oodles and oodles of fun to cover. And I didn't even cover... How many bullet points did I cover? One, two, three, four, five, six bullet points. I got through seven bullet points before I get to the uh, got to where we are. But here we are. We're gonna we're gonna pick up, and I guess episode three of the history of the galaxy, the short 
short version um, with the Great Crusade and the emperors reaching out into the galaxy to go and find his lost sons and reunite human society. So, Gabe, anything you want to add further uh, beyond that? Uh, not that I can think of. I think pretty much I try. I tried fact-checking stuff. I had my phone out so I could fact-check stuff that whatever. I, if you said something that I didn't think sounded right, but for the most part, I think everything... Good. Was How good. about you, Sean? I know you're live fact-checking me as well. Did I mess up anything? <laughs> Uh, I didn't. I didn't do a live fact check this week. I was just trying to absorb everything. So, well, this is the cool part of the history. Legitimately, like they, yeah, they murdered a well, god getting, into existence. Well, you know, and you're getting into human history, which is what you know. Well, all my armies are human based armies. So, Correct. So this is going to be the stuff know. that you're going to find. And believe me, we're getting into some really juicy, fun stuff. Because quite honestly, like I said, I, I'm going to do my best to cover everything. We're getting into the era where the horse heresy is going to happen, which is probably one of, if not the most single important event in human history since the Dark Age of Technology. Um there's a lot of books built around what happened during the Horus Heresy, what the Horus Heresy was, and we're, we're going to dive into it. So we're not going to do a full comprehensive coverage of the Horus Heresy in the next episode, um, simply because there's so much there. I think we're definitely going to have to take that into pieces in later episodes in, in the lore. Um, but we will go over some of the major beats to make sure that we've got all the things that happen as far as what it is and so that we all understand what it is going forward. So I got three minutes left in the show. So I think now's a good time. Uh, Gabe, anything you want to promote? Anything you want to say aside from just kind of chilling here and let me talk about 40 K for an hour. Hey, I pitch in where I'm needed and I you correct are? you where I think you're wrong. That's, that's my job right now until, good. until we get into some of the more chaos stuff. Like that's, that's my job. Oh, we're getting there. Oh boy. Are we getting there? Uh, all right, Sean, uh, I'm, Thank you for joining me again for this week. Hopefully this was uh, educational for you. Yep. Yep. Very much so. It's uh, it's starting to get good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They are, well, again, because prior to prior to the horror, like this happened prior to like M30, a lot of the history of what happened in human society is kind of lost in the annals of time. Um, the Dark Age of Technology being a gigantic one with how how much of a huge impact that uh, civil war was with the AI. Like a lot of that just simply didn't survive. There weren't enough, right. there was no record. So a lot of this is kind of like bits and in, in, in stamps along the way of human history up until this point, moving forward, we got a whole bunch of records for this kind of stuff. Yep. For sure. Oh, uh, Chris is in right at the end. Our producer jumps out. Oh, he's at his other podcast that he liked. So he just kind of jumped in to say hi. <laughs> That's okay. I understand. I'm not the one who had to change the recording dates. So that I had to do two things on the this same day. We only went over little stuff like, you know, um, the dark age of technology we covered. You'll have to see how much of that I got wrong at the end. We talked <laughs> about the Emperor revealing himself and the Thunder Warriors and the Custodians and, oh, and how the Eldar murder fucked a god into existence. We talked about all of that in Craft Worlds and Exodites, uh, the Primarchs and how they got flung out. Here, maybe you can solve. We've got, I've got 90 seconds left on my thing. Maybe you can solve this one. Do you recall a time in 40k lore history where the lore had been that the chaos gods were the ones that flung the primarchs out in throughout the galaxy? That's still the current but one. But didn't they have this biologist uh, with her last name Astartes, which is where the Astartes get their namesake, that she was the one that jettisoned them out, jettisoned them out into the galaxy? Yeah, but the chaos gods are the ones who. So that's part of the Horus Heresy and Siege of Terror timeline story that she's involved in the story. But the crux of it is still that Everus is showing Horus and it is basically the Chaos God, someone that is stealing them away. And she just in it, like, helped enable that. Okay, so then my thought process was correct that even though she was there and she's the one, quote unquote, getting the blame for it, it was still the Chaos Gods that helped kind of push that through to happen. The cliff notes of it would be that the Emperor made bargains with the Chaos Gods in the creations of the Primarchs, but was not fulfilling his end of those bargains, or the Chaos Gods feared that he wouldn't follow through with it, and um, that's why they scattered for pri the 20 Primarchs, the 21 Primarchs. Well, all right, all right, fair, 21. 
and we'll get to there. We're going to cover all of that. And we cover, we just got up to M30, Chris. Uh, we're getting ready to talk about the Great Crusade and the releasing of the Space Marine Legions. Uh, with the warp storms gone, now that, you know, um, Slanesh has been born, if there's travel can happen throughout the galaxy now. And we're going to go start looking on the, uh, the, the whack-a-mole of, can you find a Primark? There's one over there. I got one. I'm playing more 40k on Saturday, and I, I've been listening to Echoes of Eternity. Chapter 19 made me cry That's a little a good bit. Point. We should probably bring that up. I didn't mention it at the top of the show. I do want to wait until the 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 sound base or the what am I, the listener base gets a little bit bigger. But at some point in time, we are going to do book clubs. Um, I do Audible a lot. I have a long drive to and from work every single day. I do want to start doing some books for Sean's benefit and for the audience's benefit. And I think it'd be kind of cool to go through and listen to an audiobook and then review it on a show just to kind of cover over some of the, the, the story that we learned from there. Uh, I'll make sure if I remember to throw up the link because it's currently a humble bundle for 21 audiobooks for uh, the Indominus Crusade kind of setting. So a bunch of current 40k timeline books um, on humble bundle. I think it's $21 or oh, something perfect. like that. Yeah, toss that into the show notes yeah. if you wouldn't mind. Yep. All right. Well, I just got done saying goodbye. Chris come in and says hi, and we're we're literally getting ready to walk out the door on this one. So I do appreciate everyone tuning in for this one. We'll see you back again in two weeks for part three of the history of the galaxy, the short version. I promise. I promise. We're, once we get through this, we're going to talk about the game. We're going to talk about the hobby a little, but we've got to get through the, the, the this this early parts of the history so you really kind of wrap your head around it. So until next time, guys. We'll see you next time. On duty, honorably discharged.